Welcome back, everybody, to the Brazilian Dragon Podcast for another edition of Media Me and Me. I am Felipe, and today I am joined by the lovely Dahlia Black. Dahlia, hello. Introduce yourself. Hello. hello my name is Dahlia Black. I am a multidisciplinary artist here in Los Angeles, California, but originally from Boston. <laughs> yes, that was one of the first things we bonded over, Boston. Um, Dahlia and I met in a stand-up class. We are also like uh, someone else you will hear on the series, Lonnie Dangerous. We are Heidi's hoes. Um, Dahlia is an icon, uh, one of my favorite comedians here in the Los Angeles uh, area. And Dahlia, uh, what brought you out to LA originally as a multidisciplinary artist? And I can't wait to dig into your past and like learn more about like what inspired you media-wise. But like, tell us a little bit about yourself. I came out to Los Angeles because I was very tired of snow <laughs> and I was trying to figure out where uh, would be good for me and LA just made the most sense. I, uh, I was originally a filmmaker, mostly writing and directing, um, but also did a bit of acting in my early days. and. Um, fell in love with it, but then kind of fell out of love with it during the pandemic and uh, moved on to a new hyperfixation with stand-up comedy. And I am enjoying that significantly more right now. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to like get to know more about like your story. Um, I also was over the winter. So that's probably, probably why I moved to LA. Like when people like consider where they want to go for like the entertainment industry it's like new york like you, people consider staying in boston also like uh chicago but i was like no i need to be somewhere warm i cannot yeah. deal like i did so many years of the snow already it's um, pretty amazing when you have like depression to like not have seasonal depression on top yeah. of depression it's like intoxicating <laughs> i agree wholeheartedly it's also uh you know what makes me sad is that kids these days will never experience snow days like we used to because now they're just going to be like okay zoom school um yeah. I'm just like snow days were such a treat like I loved this good snow day and they were just excuses to go watch tv play video games like have an extra day off and I feel like we should just like be given societal random days off where the whole world shuts down you're not allowed to like leave your house like obviously the pandemic was a very traumatic experience for so many people but there are parts of like the lockdown experience that like I feel like were good for people's mental health in some weird way. Like the communal, like everyone was experiencing this. They had to like focus on taking self-care a little bit more seriously. Now everyone's like back out running again. And like, I feel like we lost a little bit of our own like self-care needs versus like the corporate capitalism world that we live in. I think that there's definitely something to be said about like mandatory cozy days. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you Paid know- Paid time really off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and just, yeah, exactly as you said, just, like, stopping, and, like, there is nothing you can do, like, you can go shovel, and then no go nowhere, because everywhere's closed, you know, mm -hmm. so it is, it is really beautiful, I definitely, that is one thing that, like, I do miss about Boston that is not available in Los Angeles, we don't get, like, 
fire days. <laughs> Earthquake days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dahlia, what was like your earliest experience with like media and like what drew you to the entertainment side of uh, the industry or just like entertainment as a whole, storytelling, that kind of stuff? Do you have any like core memories that you associate with it? Yeah. So um, I started doing burlesque right when I was 18 years old um, and I uh, loved it. I thought it was like really incredible. And then I got into my first movie when I was 21 um, as an actor. Yeah. And uh, I really fell in love with that. I, um, I really enjoyed that experience a lot. I loved the permanence of it. Like there's something about like, you know, go, doing a burlesque show, like working so hard on your act and like uh, then having somebody go like, oh, when, when is your show? And then being like, oh, it was a week ago. And they're like, oh, can I like see it? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like comedy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, my movie is like still up. Like you could go find it if you want to. Um, Do you want to drop it or no? Like, <laughs> I was going to say, if you want to tell everyone where they can find it, you have, this is your time, Dahlia. <laughs> I'm not going to plug it. Um uh, but I really enjoyed that experience. And then I moved on to, um, I, I kind of operate that I can only have like one hyper fixation at a time for the most part. Um, you, I usually have like my day job and then I will have my rest of my time doing whatever hobby it is. Um, and so I switched from doing burlesque to doing film acting. Um, and pretty quickly, I was like really disappointed with what roles were available to me. I found that I was like consistently being cast as like mom or like prostitute. <laughs> and it was just unfortunate. Um, and so I started writing my own work uh, and that opened up a whole new level of love and expression and vision and all of these different things that I just didn't even know I had inside of me. That's awesome that like you're letting yourself kind of experiment and be free. Um, I can't wait to like dig into like different pieces of your story and like get to know you better. Um, this is also something that uh, I've been wondering as I've been talking to like our mutual friend, Allie. Uh, so your main hustle that like your full-time job is that like, I, I know a little bit about it and I don't want you to like say anything that you don't want to share, but like, would you say that like it, is completely separate from your creative ambitions and it's like something you can focus in and then you can do your side hustle. Cause I've been thinking a little bit about like, I don't know, this is a frustrating industry to be a part of like the gig to gig stuff that like, you're not really like achieving what you want to do full time, like find something a little bit more fulfilling as an individual, as a main job. And then like maybe a side job, like your side passion can be pursuing like the creative stuff as like a different way. Uh, and I know Allie's felt similarly as um, an actor and now she's focusing on doing something else with her uh, career and then doing acting on the side. Um, is your main job at all connected? Like, like, do you see it as part of the entertainment industry or is it completely separate and that's just like how you pay your bills and then you do all your side hobbies outside of it? I don't know if that okay. makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, my job, I work for an influencer, which is hilarious and definitely related to the entertainment world, I would say, um, especially the entertainment world as it is today in 2023, uh, where so much is uh, so much of our entertainment is on Instagram. Um, however, my personal like eight hours is not 
typically spent doing a ton of creative stuff, but I do use my brain very frequently. And so it, like the gears get moving. Um, and so sometimes it can take away from my creativity because I'm spending a lot of that problem solving energy on my day job. Mm-hmm. But the security that I get from having a day from having a day job really offers me a lot of freedom for creative expression because I know for myself personally, I just I know what it feels like to be poor and to be worried about not having a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. And I it is that is what is the most detrimental to my creativity. And so for me at this moment, it's great. I feel like this job is like exactly what I need. Um, and the way that I work from home and it's very flexible. So if that thunderstorm of creativity just kind of overtakes my body, I can just really quickly be like, ah, I'll be right back yeah. <laughs> and like type up a bunch of notes and then, you know, tackle them over the weekend. Uh, I love that. And then it's also giving you the space to like feel comfortable with like your living condition, of course. And uh, it's, it's more, it seems like it's more fulfilling than like being doing something you're miserable, just like to try to get like a opportunity in the future. You're taking like your own mental health and taking it into your own hands and doing something that makes you happier for the full time. Even if it's not like the most, like what it could be like the dream job you're like making sure that you're giving yourself that space to like feel happy during the day. And then also like focus on your creativity outside of it in non-work settings, which I think is cool. Um, It also means that I can say no to projects that I don't want to work on, which also is incredibly important to my creativity. Cause like God only knows there's a lot of garbage out there that I just don't want to be a part of. Like I don't want to bring more misogynistic racist stuff into the world that like, exists you know and i uh have i've never been to an open mic that was toxic yet i've seen toxic performers but i haven't been to like a mic which is something that you've brought to me especially as like a non-binary femme person like you've kind of shown me like i know there's like a ton of like toxic man comedy culture stuff but like i've never really seen a ton of it so like the fact that you've shared those experiences that's why i like being in comedy spaces with you and people like you who like create different types of stories that we can see in stand-up comedy scenes um so like uh uh, your dedication to making sure you're a part of like inclusive spaces is awesome and that's why i really love tidy's class because it was a very inclusive space even though it was very diverse we had bob who was this 82 year old white man from california i think um and then versus and then all the way like to you and me and Lonnie and we're three different uh, minorities in different ways and just Heidi is also a queer woman who creates this inclusive beauty um, so that's why I love Heidi being part of Heidi's house yeah One and two <laughs> and I'm sure that you experience this in Boston but Boston has such a weird uh, way of being deeply racist and it's very so weird right because like it's progressive racism if that makes sense it's like it hidden it's, it's undertone where it's like you you hear these stories about racism and it's like all these overt like examples from like the south or the midwest or like less diverse areas but like boston is an incredibly diverse city but also has a ton of racism and misogyny in its roots and like i mean we just need reparations for everyone mm-hmm. that would yeah. be ideal <laughs> um so 
when did you get interested in burlesque um like as a different form of art because you're the first person in this series that i've talked to that does burlesque um and i knew you were you like were part of the community i didn't know that you were actively a participant still to this day i'm assuming uh Um, not so much actually i and you invited me and libby to go out um i think i that was like to watch right yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. um yeah a friend of mine was putting on a show a friend from boston um oh love it that I met in the burlesque community. Uh, I um, so my pro okay. So now problematic, um, but back then less problematic, I guess. Uh, favorite was Marilyn Manson, <laughs> classic teenage goth. <laughs> and at that time, or maybe not at that time, maybe he had divorced. Um, Dita Von Tees, um, but they were a unit at one point. And so that was my first introduction to burlesque um, was Dita Von Tees. And I just loved the glamour of it. Um, and so I started getting into uh, that vintage looking stuff with very uh, radical feminist ideas when I was 14 or so. And then when I was 17, I started volunteering for shows and starting getting into the Boston community. And right when I turned 18, I uh, did my very first show. And I was a, I was a very unique 18-year-old. I was already living completely on my own at that time. Um, and so I was an old soul, as they say, <laughs> um, which is to say, you know, traumatized childhood. <laughs> Which is uh, how comedy is brought out, right? Uh, one of my favorite writer strike signs was ChatGPT doesn't have trauma or yes. tells the trauma. And I'm like, that's where the creativity stems from. It's like your vulnerability, what makes you, you. Yes, exactly. Um, what uh, other, so we, we know you wanted to be an actor and you were involved with burlesque, but do you remember any core childhood memories that you were like, oh, entertainment, stories. This is like where, like, this is inspiring to me. This is something I want to do. Do you have any like core either movies, TV shows, music, uh, burlesque shows, uh, any, any type of media that you consume that you're like, Oh, I can do this one day. No, but I've always been extremely artsy fartsy. Um, unfortunately I grew up in a house that was pretty, it's weird because they were like encouraging in some ways where I would get like art kits for Christmas. Uh, but they would be very discouraging in other ways where art was never a viable career option. Um, And so I never really thought that I could become an artist, Um, but I, but it is so, it's so me (laughs) that it's like quite difficult to kind of even think about like younger self me not feeling that way. Um, but I would say like my very first thing that I was like obsessed with was Sailor Moon. (laughs) That's very gay of you. (laughs) So gay. (laughs) Um, We'll definitely talk more about like your relationship with queer stories and queer storytelling, but like pop off, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, Sailor Moon Moon was truly like one of the first things where I was just like, this is so beautiful. This is so magical. This is so comforting in such a like nice way. Um, And yeah, so I I really loved it. Uh, I really loved Miyazaki when I was younger, um, Spirited Away and Kiki's Delivery Service. And 
My name is Totoro. My name is Totoro. I actually had on VHS and I um, broke the VHS tape because I've oh, it so many times. <laughs> you got to be kind and rewind. <laughs> I rewind too many times. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those are like the big ones. As far as like queer media, um, But I'm a Cheerleader was like such a huge awakening for me. Um, I think that that was like one of the bigger. Are you a podcast listener? I'm not. not. Okay. My friends, Grace and Hudson, actually appeared on one of their episodes a few years ago. They, I don't know what, if they're still actively doing it or it's more kind of like an indefinite hiatus, but they have this podcast series called Hold Up and they look at uh, queer media and see if it holds up. Um, and I was on an episode about the show One Day at a Time where they had the quinceanera, uh, which was like very recent. So of course it held up. Um, but they like talked about like all the different types of movie. They talked about that episode of MASH, uh, some stuff from Friends and Simpsons. And then of course, like Brokeback Mountain and definitely recommend it to any uh, of Dahlia's friends that are podcast listeners um, uh, that might be I supporting just, their friend. <laughs> I just don't have a commute. And I feel like that's so, when you listen to podcasts. It's like, yeah, because you're at home, right? <laughs> And before this, like my job was only five minutes away from my house. Like I've done a very good job of just never having a commute. <laughs> You're efficient. It's... You and Darius. <laughs> um, so uh, in terms of like moving out here, uh, so you did the acting thing for a while. Uh, were there any like performers that you in, were like, and you mentioned Dita Von Teese as terms of like burlesque, maybe inspirations. Were there other inspirations in your creativity? And then now that you're a comic, do you have any like comedians that inspire you? This is a great question. So um, I will say in the Boston arts community, there is, I think because nobody is like looking to get discovered in Boston, there is a sense of freedom to just be as weird as you want and as authentic as you want um, and really truly make the art that you want to make. Boston has its own challenges where the city infrastructure um, does not support artists in ways that it should, uh, which is like pretty common, I would say, but uh, the Boston art scene truly makes that city so great. And it's criminal that they don't, that the city doesn't recognize them in my opinion. Um, and so there's a lot of artists out there that really inspire me. The bands that I performed with uh, dancing wise and not, not musician. I am not a musician. <laughs> um, oh, you have but... a great stand-up joke about your music taste. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it, but that's one of my favorites. Yes. Um, so the bands that I used to perform with was called Walter Sickert and the Army of Broken Toys. Huge plug to them. Very much encourage you to look them up. Um, and they, ha they, all are incredible influences on my life. Um, Johnny Blazes is another performer uh, in Boston who is, was my first introduction to gender queerness um, and has really inspired me over the years um, and really inspired me to kind of be like, wait a minute, like what is gender? <laughs> what does any of this mean? <laughs> um, and then as far as like mainstream people, uh, Hannah Gatsby's Nanette was the first one where I was just kind of like, oh, stand-up does not actually need to be traditional, does it? And Bo Burnham's Inside was very much the same way for me. Um, I think, honestly, I don't think I like stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> 
for, yeah, no, that's interesting because like you don't do it in the traditional, like you do it in the format, but like you do more uh, storytelling and like, like theorizing and like kind of like it, you mix like comedy, not with TED Talks because you're not like it's flooring, but like these like it, it gives me uh, sometimes like when you're really high and you have like these groundbreaking thoughts. <laughs> And then, like, yours is just, like... a great compliment. (laughs) It's, like, Dahlia is, like, okay, but what is life? It's very philosophical, your type of comedy. It is. And that's what, like, Heidi continues to say with you specifically, is Heidi is always, like, you're very you, and I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah. I And you hit the nail on the head. I I love philosophy. I am a huge fucking nerd for philosophy. Um, In my first uh, Heidi class, I made a joke about Schrodinger. And in my second class, I made a joke about Sisyphus. Like it's, I, it is such a huge part of me. And like, I don't want to compromise that. Like, if you don't know who Sisyphus is, like, that's totally fine. You can look it up. You can do like a quick Google and then listen to my joke again. And then be like, Oh, that's what they're trying to say. (laughs) But I think that, you know, I, I really, don't like the idea that you're supposed to assume that your audience is dumb. I think that that's silly. And like, and if it means I'm never going to be famous for it, like, that's fine. (laughs) It's actually different, which is like, I mean, you uh, specifically, I I told this to Lonnie too, because I feel like you two specifically made comedy click for me in a different than level one did in comedy, where it's like very formulaic. And even like the reason I think I struggled the most with the last set of the three sets I've done for class is because I felt like I was out of like topics that I'm vulnerable about, but like mm. that are interesting enough for me to mind comedy. Cause I was like, I don't like, there's these experiences and they're fun stories, but I don't know if fun stories always translate to like stand up, right? And I feel like I wanna do more like observational pop culture type comedy. Like, cause that's the stuff that I feel like I have a sense for is like talking about these niche topics in like pop culture spaces and like riffing on that but like that's very niche and like a specific audience that I would have to find my people for um whereas like you are you just go for it and like you don't really explain like who Sisyphus is um whereas like I know I made an effort to be like well if you're not aware of what fucking Harry Potter is they put this hat on every single time for my lice joke that I have about Harry yeah. Potter and how it's ridiculous that there was never an, a lice outbreak. And I'm just like, I have to dumb it down. And that's like wasted time and wasted minutes. Like you go for it. And I appreciate that. And that's why I think you and Lonnie specifically helped me unlock that comedy can be more than what I've seen and what I'm used to so far. Um, like one of my comedy inspirations is Nicole Byer. And I feel like she, like, I feel like I have some of the same personality as her, but I'm, I think she's phenomenal and I am nowhere near as funny as her, but I, I like would like to do kind of more her and just like, kind of like do a madcap. Like this is how my brain works. It's always chaotic. And as soon as I think of something, I go ahead and like, try to like, I'm thinking of like the Lion King, Timon Puma. And then I see, Oh, there's a butterfly there. I want to talk about the butterfly now. Uh, yeah. Then, Oh, I have OCD. So we can talk about that for a second. Like that's how my brain works. And you very much like, I feel like I get to see how your brain works when you do comedy. Um, and it's really cool. And like, I appreciate that you were in my class so I could learn that there's other types of comedy and we can kind of like push what the norms are of this space that we, and I feel like even comedy is evolving to like include more storytelling, but like you're pushing it even further. And I want to see like that continue to be explored in stand-up spaces. 
Thank you. I really appreciate that. I've had a bunch of people come to me and say that they hate stand up, but I really appreciate what I'm doing. And that means so much to me because like, I do think that it is a beautiful art form. I think it is such a, it's so human to just like have like your singular voice, one microphone, one stage, one audience. And like, it's so it's such a beautiful thing and it's really too bad that it's been co-opted by toxic men, <laughs> frankly. Um, I, I'm going to miss Sean for like the mentorship when he leaves the open mic that I like to go to. Um, but it's also like even those spaces, like I feel like I'm not completely like the space doesn't completely get me. I like going to that space because even though they're not like me, I feel like it's a very welcoming crowd. Even like, the most misogynistic guy in the room, I still feel like I never feel like super, like if he does judge me, I don't really care. But like, I don't feel like he's going to come and like rip me apart. Maybe because if he did, I feel like Heidi would kick him. Uh, but you know who I'm talking about without even like saying like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm just like, I, I want to find more spaces and that's why I want to go to like some more mics at Tao, which is nice. Um, this is a very niche LA comedy podcast right now, but I appreciate like that you bring different types of spaces because like you being yourself on stage, I feel like will lead me to be myself more on stage just like by observing you. Same thing with Adam. I think Adam's a very quirky dude who doesn't like fall into the conventional stand up what it looks like. Yeah, I agree. I also um, would like to go back to your previous point about Nicole that you had mentioned that you're not as good as her. Uh, and I would just love to encourage you to add a yet at the end of that sentence. <laughs> well, I, I think Nicole, like Nicole can read the phone book and make it entertainment uh, for me, entertaining to me. I could not read the phone book and make, make it entertaining for myself. Um, yes, I, I don't. Okay. Yeah. You know what yes. I mean? Like you've got a number of years on her belt that you don't yeah. have. And like you will get there if you just keep going. So but but if you don't add the yet, then like then you will get too discouraged and not and potentially quit, you know? But if you oh. add the yet, then like perfect. <laughs> um in terms of like your uh like mentors, are there any people out here that like really pushed you to be creative in your um like any people that you look back upon that were like oh these people pushed me to like be the best Dahlia um I am very blessed with my people in my world um I have a very beautiful community in Boston rooting me on from afar uh that really very much inspires me and makes me feel safe. Um, you know, like recently I posted my comedy on Instagram uh, for the first time, which is terrifying. <laughs> no, I, I feel like there are parts like I am nervous to do it because I'm like, I don't know who in my family is going to see this. There's parts of my stuff that I'm like, no way, no shape, no how. No one's yeah. allowed to watch this except for my brother and my family. Yeah. And it's just like, I want to share more on my Instagram, but it's like, I don't want everyone to just watch it. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, yeah. And so I, I am very lucky as far as like my mentors are concerned. Uh, my friend James Lee is in New York city and he uh, was essentially my very first mentor. He um, is incredibly creative and uh, is really, uh, he talks like a stoner. <laughs> I hope he never watches this. <laughs> um, he talks like a stoner and he said he asks beautiful questions. It is like it, he is like a 
a master interviewer of people and uh, really just goes so deep so quickly. And, uh, and it's really nice. And it really makes me because, you know, I think that one of the questions that like, I ask comedians, uh, when they're talking about their joke, I'm like, why are you saying this? Like, what greater purpose do you have for saying this and if it's just like I think it's funny then like that's fine but like you need like a a, like solid like why you know that's that's part of the reason why um uh a conversation we had off air earlier like there were certain people that I felt like went for the jokes and like and I've been guilty of this too like I think there's like a funny concept and don't really like validate it in like experience or truth and like it's not believable if it's not if you're just saying something because you think it's funny sure you might get a laugh but like it won't land as well and like you won't it I feel like there's like a catharsis that like is involved if it's a human story yeah I think that's true I mean my why for myself is I really want to explain what it's like to be a non-binary femme in this world and like help fellow trans people feel seen and also help like respectful cis people who just like don't quite get it understand it a little bit better (laughs) yeah no um you've talked a little bit about like your gender exploration like how much of like media you said a couple of examples like were there any like groundbreaking things besides like the humans you interacted with that were like oh and the uh example you gave earlier oh, like, this is, like, something that, like, I want to explore. And then were there any, once you, like, started exploring it, were there other pieces of media that really, like, helped you along the way on on your journey? Mae Martin, I think, was uh, one of the first non-binary comedians that I had seen, and I was really inspired by them um, and their journey. They're very, they're a very interesting human um, uh, with a very, like, interesting past and very, like, wholesome calm (laughs) energy um and seems like a very chaotic uh brain um and so I find them very fascinating and entertaining um I think that that's my my best friend PD Gibson is a trans man and so we talk about gender all the time (laughs) um and I'm, Do you want to plug his movie? Um, he is he? currently uh, on alert on Fox. Go PD. Um, and uh, yeah, um, he's great. Um, Sorry, I said movie. I meant TV show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we talk about gender all the time. And that is really uh, inspiring and helpful. I, I love talking about it is something that I truly think that I could talk about for days. Um, And I think it really, it itches my like philosophy brain in such a way that I just like, am so hungry to understand it. And so hungry to understand how each individual person has a very different relationship to their gender and their expectations around gender. I feel like you would be a phenomenal like teacher of like this independent school for uh storytelling and like then like every class would be like start with a Socratic seminar about like gender (laughs) and then everyone has to go do like a piece uh of whatever art form they want and tell a story about their gender identity and then come back and their homework the next week would be like 
do it all again but like and then you would like workshop it each week I feel like that's <laughs> that's what I see you as like Socratic seminars and like comedy yeah yeah that would be a dream yeah. <laughs> I feel like it makes me sound like such a nerd like I should I feel like I do need to have the disclaimer that like I I love monster trucks <laughs> <laughs> and demolition derby like monster truck inspirations life. do you have a favorite monster truck um yes I do um can I like pause and look it up real fast yeah for sure um I'll photoshop you on top of the monster truck for this episode. okay great uh yes okay sorry you're good I just need to get I knew you liked heavy metal I did not know you liked monster trucks you should do a set about monster trucks I'm actually breaking them <laughs> and it's because of this um this fucking thing Yes. Okay. So I thought it was the mad scientist. I wanted to confirm it is indeed the mad scientist. Do you want to take that again so you can for you to edit it, or are we just going straight? No, through? you're good. No, we're just going. <laughs> <on. laughs> um, my favorite monster truck is the mad scientist. Uh, what I find really fascinating <laughs> is that um, the mad scientist was the very first front flip for monster trucks which like went just saying that sentence front flip monster truck front flip you're just kind of like yeah okay a front flip but like the more that you think about it the more you're like wait a minute how the fuck is that possible <laughs> and yeah. so yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible really look at the the video because would you ever so drive monster trucks or no no i would be petrified i think but i love watching it i would totally go to a uh yeah i've only ever been to demolition derby i've never been to monster trucks that's hilarious (laughs) i love this um like you have so many like different layers like i didn't even know about the monster truck thing um no so like you mentioned monster trucks what type of like I don't want to say monster trucks is trash, but what are the, like your more like non-conventional, like non like oh I'm a very big nerd. I, this is the type of stuff that like is my escapism, like my trash reality TV tastes or something. I don't know what you enjoy, but like what are these things that like oh you think I'm this, but here's like these random things that I'm obsessed with that you would never guess. Yeah, that's a great question. I love, um, so I love monster trucks. I love demolition derby. I think that it is so much fun. (laughs) Um, I, so like in New England, like we go hard on fall. (laughs) And like, I love like all the like, witchy stuff. Yes, the witchy stuff, but also like the country bumpkin, like fall stuff like I love like doing like potato cannons and I love like uh corn mazes mazes. like all that stuff is like so is my favorite I feel like that's like pretty neutral like it's not necessarily like like white trash quote unquote um I enjoy wrestling quite a bit uh I just like like, country fairs sort of thing oh my god I love county fair love me a county fair (laughs) um yeah um I'm trying to think if there's anything else per se. A lot of these things you, there's like a performative nature into like monster trucks, wrestling, like even like the county fair. I feel like there's like this, uh, it's like cisgender male drag. That's such an interesting point. I think you are <laughs> totally on the money with that. I've it's like never- like dress up for, for these communities. Yeah. 
Yeah, where it's like it is a dude, but like he's wearing like a sparkly tux. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love drag, obviously. Uh, I don't think that that's surprising, <laughs> um, but it's worth mentioning. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also really interesting, too, because I feel like so much of life has kind of paused and shifted because of the pandemic. Like, mm -hmm. I haven't really gone to many, like, big events. Um, like, I went to uh, my favorite band, Zeal and Ardor. Uh, I went to, like, their concert, and it was probably, like maybe 500 people which is like a chunk but uh yeah. it, it was like uh you know relatively small yeah. and uh I was like amazed at like how how different it felt post-pandemic than pre-pandemic so I still haven't quite gotten my nervous system back in place what is Dahlia like to watch like a what's your comfort movie or show I watched The Princess Bride a few times a year <laughs> Um, Miyazaki is a big one. Yep. It's really funny because I wouldn't say anime. Going to the um, the Studio Ghibli theater re releases because yeah. I've been wanting to, and then I always forget about it. I'm like, well, if Dolly is going, then I'm definitely gonna make an effort. <laughs> we'll fucking go. It'll be great. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Sorry, oh, okay. <laughs> I've been like really trying. Hard I swear. I think I swear first, so it's fine. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, so Princess Bride, uh, Miyazaki. I really love the Before trilogy, Before Sunrise, Sunset. Sunrise. Oh, I've heard great things about that one. I don't think I've ever. Yeah, heard. Um, anything in that like mumblecore genre um, is very much my my jam. Sometimes I think that people think it's pretentious, and I'm just kind of like, meh. Add it to the list of Who things cares? that are pretentious about Whatever me. Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> um, and then like, are there any like? comfort like what are your all-time favorite shows out of curiosity good place i think is perfect that makes so much sense oh my god yeah. <laughs> good place is perfect gilmore girls holds a very special place in my heart but i can't actually watch it anymore um i find it a little bit i think i'm just a little bit too woke now <laughs> to really enjoy it but I do really love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I'm a huge, huge, huge Amy Sherman Palladino fan. Um, I think that she is a phenomenal writer um, and really just like understands TV in such an interesting way. Um, I really love Bojack Horseman. I yeah, think it makes it's a lot like, of sense, also. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the most human show that you know happens to star animals. <laughs> Um, and then Taskmaster is also one. Oh, of my uh, that makes sense. Also, like I feel like British panel shows also make sense here. You, you would yeah. love my friend Grace. I think. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I will send send you a video or a podcast, and you'll like probably never listen to it. But I feel like Grace is like your jam. <laughs> okay, great. I can't wait. As long as she lived in in LA and not Toronto, but like I feel like mm -hmm. I need to organize a meeting of you two somehow. <laughs> If Grace is ever in LA, I'm going to make it happen. I love it. I love it. Um, and yeah. And then as far as like, uh, you know, Harry Potter used to hold a very special place in my mm -hmm. heart. I used to be, I used to really love it. I can't really watch it anymore, which is yeah. just very unfortunate. And it makes me quite sad. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard when the things that you uh, love, like uh, I, lost is a very important show to me and then now like hearing about the writer's room taints it a little bit but it's like 
I can still cherish the core memories that I have with this show and how foundational it was to me while also recognizing that like I'm, I'm kind of at a point where I'm like realizing a lot of the things that I love has like some shadiness to it like yeah. it's not like as like magical there's always like a dark side to everything like even like your favorite movies and shows there's always like going to be like the corporation behind it and like what their intentions are and mm-hmm. I don't know it's we're in this weird era where like there's so much accessibility that we can learn more about it and people are like kind of stop giving any fucks and like just like are gonna like burn the ground and I'm like kind of here for it all but it's also like oh all these things that I hold up on the pedestals when you when you see them for what they really are it's kind of demoralizing I think it's hard I mean I think it's also hard when we idolize humans you know and also like remember that humans are flawed and you know especially like I think that millennial are you a millennial or are you gen z am i on the cusp cusp <laughs> like i i definitely did vhs tapes and like knew all that like so like yeah. i feel like i can relate to that aspect of it um, <laughs> yeah. um as a millennial i feel like we're doing a lot of generational curse breaking and i think mm-hmm. that we're doing a lot of like hey actually that's like not okay and like doing so much um work that i think that it's amazing. It's so good. But I think that it it is difficult to take the wisdom that we have now because of the internet and because of like how much uh, social justice is so readily available mm-hmm. and expect other people to kind of get it immediately and get it like even like 10 years ago, you know, and that piece I think is a a really tough one. Like, so for JK Rowling, for example, that one is like just heartbreaking to me because it's like, buddy, like you have the world information at your fingertips and like you're choosing to spout this. Also like she was kind of like making great progress, even if it wasn't like, public public like in the writing like she was very vocal about how Dumbledore is gay Mm -hmm. and it's like just gay rights do not always equal trans rights and like I think we need to start doing a better job incorporating trans stories and trans uh liberation and like making that like more accessible because uh trans siblings are under attack right now and it's very scary um and especially cis white gay men have a lot of privilege so not to get on a big soapbox about it, but it is very scary when like these people that you like look up to then like with a public platform are spouting all this nonsense. Cause even though we know that it's like stupid and like incorrect, they have a platform of all these like young impressionable readers of Harry Potter who might not just see some tweets and just like believe JK Rowling because they wrote their favorite, she wrote her favorite, your favorite book. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And it's really heartbreaking. And it's also like, you know, she trained a whole generation of people to be kind and to like yeah. fight for what they believe in and to hear that she's like fighting for this just incredibly misguided and wrong stance. It's really, it's really, it's a very tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, do you, uh, I don't even know how to transition from that. <laughs> and moving on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What do you hope to see like future Dahlia explore and their uh, ambitions and creative endeavors? Are there any things that like you really want to 
put an emphasis on in your comedy journey and your burlesque journey and your performance journey? I, um, yes. <laughs> I, there's a lot of subjects that I, um, I want to talk about uh, that I don't feel quite, uh, basically like where my taste is and where my talent is, there is this gap between them. And I do feel like it's closing. I do feel like, you know, the more that I do this, the more, the better I'm getting. I'm at like 26 gigs so far for comedy, um, which is, I can feel like, you know, the difference between my first stand-up gig and my latest stand-up gig is night and day. Um, it's huge, huge, huge improvement. Um, but I'm still just like not quite there. Um, and a lot of that is like, so like my immediate goal is like, I'm desperate to get more comfortable on stage. <laughs> I'm so, uh, I just get very tongue tied. I get very like over explainy and I don't want to have any silence at all because I'm like, Oh my God, you're, you're being entertained by me. Like this is awful. Um, and I need to just let that go. Cause it's like, it's fine. It's five minutes of people's time. Um, <laughs> uh, and then as far as like my larger goals, like I have a lot, um, I have a lot that I want to say. I have a lot that I think is a very like unique take on the world. I feel like I see the world very differently than most people. Um, and I think that like, I have a very unique background in the sense, oh, this probably would have come up with like other activities that I do. Uh, over the pandemic, I spoke with a lot of QAnon people to try and get them vaccinated. And so like, that's how I do my activism for the most yeah. part is like that one-on-one -on -one work. And so I feel like I have this very unique perspective of um, having a very firm grasp on social justice issues and intense, radical, sympathy for people who have just been brainwashed into thinking otherwise and wanting to like slowly bring them back to reality. Um, and so right now I do that on a one-on-one -on -one scale because I find that to be easiest um, because you can really target people, but I, I'm really hoping that I can kind of make it larger. In a small way, I saw someone, when you reposted about how someone... <laughs> got your pronouns correct in a in an unintentional way part of me was like i was like oh i should go in like the facebook comments of different like people saying oh this movie is so woke and i'm like why does this bother you and just like try to have a conversation but i'm like mm, no i need to protect myself too much but like you're very yeah. great for doing that um would you ever start a podcast mm, no <laughs> i feel like this is like a lot of the stuff that you're saying like makes sense for a podcast platform but like everyone has a podcast these days. So it's like, you probably don't. Yeah. I, I'm not very lit up by podcasts. Um, I am not very lit up by uh, that. Yeah. Like I enjoy this. Like I enjoy yeah. having a conversation with somebody who, somebody else who's organizing it, you know, like I've been on a number of podcasts uh, in my time, humble brag. Um, <laughs> and you know, I always enjoy it. I always have fun. Um, but 
I don't, I cannot imagine. I also think that I, I just have, because I have such a varied amount of interest, it's like, what, what do you want me to call this even? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, uh, in hindsight, like I, I have no regrets about what I name my podcast, but in hindsight, it is very like hard if you're trying to build a brand. Like, yeah. I, yes, I am the Brazilian dragon as a brand, but like if I have a lot of interests, I realized that pretty like within a year of doing it, I was like, oh, I should probably like do better SEO work. <laughs> like, cause this is like, it's like, what the hell is this podcast? And that's why every time I start a new project, it's like, I try to make an own feed and like, okay, if I'm doing a Total Drama Island podcast, Let's throw it on the Total Drama Island feed and the main feed. So it's like, okay, these are like, this podcast is a pretty good encapsulation of what type of stuff I like to talk about. Yeah. But it's not the very mo clearest when you say, when you're trying to sell it to someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just, I, yeah, I don't think so. I also think that stand-up comedy is extremely potent. Like I yeah. truly think that there's like a lot of like, um magic in it I and I you know I mentioned before like I truly think it is such a like human experience I think there's something very primal about it and I think that there's something so beautiful about humans relating to other humans and like listening in that way that I just think is lost a little bit on podcasts I also at least for me it's like a healthy way for me even if I'm just watching like healthy way for me to like unpack all my frustrations like I really like the fact that the Wednesday mics that I go to are on my Friday nights, which or my mm -hmm. Friday evenings, because then it's like, okay, all this stress from work built up. And then it kind of just like, yes, it will still be part of like, but I will just like kind of it's released just by like, laughing at the comics around me that are making jokes. And then also like, I have five minutes to go up and just like, talk and like I could theoretically talk about whatever I wanted. I try to like workshop material, but like, I could go up there and just talk about like, I don't know, like, something random that like I want to and it's just like the power of like okay this is my time that I get to be up here and you have to listen to me and like I'm gonna try to make you laugh but even if I'm not like you're still giving me all your attention and, and like that's powerful and also cathartic like being on the other side of it like getting to release because like Heidi or Sean or you or someone is making a really funny joke and I'm just like okay like I it's relaxing and like that's why I really loved our comedy class because not only do we like start off with like story time to tell us about your week, but it's also like, oh, it's three hours of uh, a lot of like people trying to be creative and trying to workshop these funny concepts and funny ideas and just making it as strong as possible. And you get to be creative and like community building, uh, collaborative. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, one of my favorite things in the world is giving people notes. And I love, I love because I think that there's something really beautiful about like being like, I didn't actually understand this, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that is like the most valuable piece of feedback that you can get is like, if somebody doesn't understand, it's not going to be as funny. And mm -hmm. so like, how can you make it more understandable? Yeah. Well, Dahlia, I do want to start winding things down because I feel like we got to know you. We can always do a part two if you want. Um, <laughs> but tell us but where we can... Yeah. <laughs> Tell us uh, where we can keep up with Dahlia and all your comedy adventures. Um, I am Dahlia Black Comedy on Instagram. Um, and I'm in a what I'm calling a mullet transition <laughs> from my previous stage name, which is Porcelain Dahlia. Um, and uh, so you can Google Porcelain Dahlia if you want to see all of my previous uh terrible indie horror movies that I was in um and uh yeah 
Love it. Um, also, I forgot to ask Lonnie this. I'm going to have to put it in post-production. Uh, but I like to ask pop culture plug. What is something that you want people to check out, whether it's a book, movie, show, that like is either very Dahlia or uh, it's something that you're enjoying right now? Something that I feel like... Okay, I would like to rephrase your question and make it my own <laughs> i'm going to completely hijack it as you should question but that that's I'm dahlia that's <laughs> we're learning about you that's how you function i think that there are like three shows that i think that people totally snoozed on the first one is called patriot um which is on prime and uh it's about a cia agent who um starts leaking government secrets in folk songs Mm -hmm. and is like having a mental breakdown. It's very uh, dark, dry humor. I love it. The second one is called Please Like Me. It is an Australian show. Yes, I I have, it it was on a bunch of streaming sites and now it seems to have gone away um, at this moment in June, 2023. But uh, I would really highly recommend that. I think that it is a very, beautifully human show that I think is really hard to kind of find again because it's Australian um and then the last one is Taskmaster which uh very similarly uh you know because it's British I think that a lot of people snooze on it but it is just delightfully wholesome fun and it's uh uh it like to say that it changed my life is like a bit dramatic and also like kind of an understatement at the same time <laughs> i love the potato clip i think everyone should at least watch the potato clip and check it out and, it's so good it's yeah. so good yeah have you seen the australian show why you like this no no i feel like i don't i haven't seen the other one that you recommended but uh it's an australian show there's only six episodes it's super gay so i'm like yeah. maybe dahlia would like this done yes please like me is also quite gay so okay that yeah <laughs> um in terms of me i am gonna recommend uh something I don't know I didn't think much about my question elemental I love elemental if you're like if you want to go see a movie in theaters that's what I love this week um but check out Dahlia's Rex because you hear my Rex every single week on the Brazilian Dragon at what the fleep on all social media Brazil Dragon Pod for all podcast shenanigans we'll be back with more media made me coming soon and Dahlia thank you so much for joining me thank you this was so much fun it was and I can't wait to see you at the next shindig that we do yes uh, All right, everyone. Goodbye.